What's up, y'all? This is Marcus Sniffles from the Committee Podcast. You can check us out every Monday. We drop new episodes, uh, drop a review on Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, uh, retweet. Um, this week, I'm going to be leading the episode, so let me go ahead and uh, introduce our special guest, the usual suspects, our regular co-hosts. Um, yeah, go ahead and introduce yourselves. And no one is here. It is just me. You get nothing but a mouthful of Marcus Sniffles for this entire podcast. So if this is not what you want, you can blame SB Reports. He's probably out on some remote doing some story for uh, Black Sports Online. And El Chapo probably got flown out to Dubai to uh, milk goats or something like that. So anyways, we're going to get right into it. And we're going to do... All the segments that you guys are accustomed to hearing, we're going to do a, a Marcus's Music Minute. We're going to wind it out. We're going to discuss The Bachelor. We're going to we're going to discuss Maga Kelly and her blackface. But first, I want to get something out of the way real quick. We're going to do the Teaspoon of Stupid or the Worst Tweet of the Week. Uh, it gets changed constantly around here so i'm not even really sure what it's really about but it we're gonna start off with this this tweet because it's pretty it's a dumb tweet it's a bad tweet it's a tweet that deserves a lot of smhs it's okay let me just go ahead and read it the fake news is doing everything in their power to blame republicans conservatives and me for the division and hatred that has been going on for so long in our country Actually, it is their fake and dishonest reporting, which is causing problems far greater than they understand. Now, that their tweet is from y'all's president, the current president of the United States. And that is going to be our teaspoon of stupid, our uh, worst tweet of the week, or whatever you want to call it. And the reason I picked that, he actually tweeted this out uh, three hours ago, and I, and I saw it while I was preparing for this. The reason I brought this up is because this past week has been pretty hectic when it comes to essentially terrorist attacks. And over the week, a a, a MAGA supporter was out here in a MAGA ice cream truck, and he was delivering pipe bombs to the the, the reports are that they're critics of the current president, but there's a lot of higher-ups mentioning this. They're more than just critics of the president. You have, you know, former CIA directors. You have uh, senators. You have uh, New Jersey Senator Cory Baker, um, U.S. representatives Maxine Waters. You have former President Barack Obama and his, and his wife, Michelle Obama. You have former First Lady and former President Bill and Hillary Clinton. Uh, essentially, everybody that this guy was going to were people that had something, quote-unquote, mean to say about the current president. And this person, so I'm not going to say his name because I'm not going to give that guy that kind of airtime, air but he felt so in, empowered and felt like his president was being unfairly criticized that he felt the need to drive mail out pipe bombs to these people. And 
it's just this is just the times that we're living in right now where the president can get on Twitter and say that the news is being fake, the news is being divisive, and my group of people is over here. We're the right way to do things. We're, you know, not being divisive. We're not saying anything, quote unquote, problematic. We've been, you know, unfairly uh, portrayed by the media and people that eat that stuff up are taking it into their own hands and saying, well, you know what? CNN is not going to talk about my president like that. I'm going to show them or, you know, President Obama, that Muslim whatever is not going to talk about my president or how my country is ran. So they feel the need to go out and do things. And this isn't the only person that has been causing terror in, in the U S we also had an incident in Pittsburgh, uh, a synagogue was shot up by a, I believe a uh, middle-aged white man. And most of the times when, you know, if you, I guess if you watch the news or watch movies or anything, when we talk about terrorists, when we talk about people committing acts of terror, unfortunately, what we think about are Middle Eastern people, Muslim people, people from that aren't from here. But the reality seems to be that for the most part, they're middle-aged white guys that are just angry or have mental issues, or just want to go out and cause some harm to people. And just like with the um, the the guy in the mega ice cream truck serving out piping hot racism, I'm not gonna say his name on here because there's no there's no reason to give that guy any kind of publicity, quote unquote, or you know, and put his name, give him name recognition because for the most part, when people do these things and their names are, and their faces are splattered all over the news. There tend to be copycats and people tend to want to get that kind of notoriety and that same kind of recognition. But what I will do is I'll, um, I'll read off a few of the, the victims of this uh, horrific shooting that happened in Pittsburgh and, and shout out to the, uh, the Steelers. They had a, a moment of silence before the game today, which is, I mean, what can you do as an NFL team? You know, like they're doing the best they can. What needs to happen is something that probably won't happen, which is, you know, change in, in gun laws and um, access to firearms and automatic rifles and all that. But we've been talking about that for the past year, year and a half that we've been doing this podcast. You can go back and listen to plenty of episodes of us and how we feel about that. Um, but some of the victims of this uh, shooting uh, Jerry Rabin Nowitz, uh, Cecil and David Rosenthal, Rose Malinger, Bernice and Sylvan Simon, Daniel Stein, Joyce Feinberg, Richard Gottfried, Melvin Wax, and Irvin Irving Younger. Those are the people that were shot or killed uh, by this terrorist. And those are the people and their families that we should be thinking about and talking about and, and remembering. And those are the people that we have to keep in mind when we are voting on, you know, gun laws and access to weapons and firearms and um, 
who's running this country and who they're getting paid for or who they're getting paid by, whether it be, you know, gun lobbyists or the NRA or whoever, those are the people that we need to be thinking about and their families. And we have to ask ourselves, do we want this level of terror to keep continuing in this country? Are the access to weapons that important that those people that I just named off, they're fine, their lives don't matter. So that's something that that we need to think about. Um, And we are getting into the uh, voting season. So make sure you guys are registered to vote. Make sure you guys go out and vote. They got early elections going on. Make sure you're informed on these, these issues so you can go out there and make a legit difference. But uh, we're going to kind of shift to something a little bit lighter than, you know, terrorism and talk about your girl, Megan Kelly. She was on her uh, TV, her morning show, and they were discussing Halloween because Halloween season is here. And with Halloween comes people that want to wear blackface, brownface, yellowface. They want to use other people's culture as their costumes, whether it be like Native American headdresses or uh, Indian garb or uh, Asian clothing. They want to dress themselves up in this way. And they were having a discussion on Megyn Kelly's show, which was the most interesting part about this discussion to me was it was for white people discussing blackface and the impact on of it in America and I mean that's a whole nother discussion but essentially Megan Kelly was saying that she didn't see why it was so offensive and why people would get offended by it and it's the whole you know this generation is softer when when I was a kid we could wear blackface and it wasn't an issue and it's like what are we what are we really doing how how has she been on TV this long how she how has she gone living life as long as she has and not understand that blackface is offensive and is racist and not know the history of what blackface is. How did, how do you not know this stuff? How is she that uninformed? How is she so uninformed that she can get on that large of a platform and say something like that and say, well, if I'm a fan of someone, I should be able to dress up as them and it shouldn't be an issue. I shouldn't be called a racist. And it's just, honestly, it's stupid. That's all it is. Megyn Kelly is a moron and people like her and that think that way are stupid too. It doesn't make any sense. Google is right there. We go through this every Halloween. Every Halloween, someone gets on the internet and takes a picture of themselves in blackface. Every year, somebody loses their job because they thought it was funny to dress up as a Native American with brown face on. It happens every year like clockwork. Like clockwork. This stuff makes the news. This isn't just stuff that happens on the internet or in black Twitter and people, you know, it doesn't really go viral. This stuff is newsworthy. And she, quote unquote, works in the news. And I say quote unquote works in the news because she got let go for, let go from her gig. But <laughs> at the end of the day, she doesn't have to go to work, but she's still gonna collect the bag. She's still gonna make sixty plus million dollars for not showing up to work. Sixty million dollars to say something 
ignorant and still get paid. Like that's that's my dream, honestly. Like that's that's my life goal is to be able to sign a contract for millions of dollars and just show up one day, say something stupid, get relieved of my duties and still get paid for it. That's that's the dream. Like I don't know if she did this on purpose or if she cares or not, but I mean, geez, $67 million to not show up to work all because you think it's okay for Becky to wear blackface. You think it's cool that Tanner feels like, oh, well, I want to be Flavor Flav this year. No one's going to know it's me if I don't have blackface on. And even that argument is illogical. I saw a photo of a, of a white couple. They dressed up as Allen Iverson and um, Tyron Liu from the 2001 finals. As soon as I saw that picture, I knew exactly what they were. I knew exactly what they were doing. And they were able to pull that off without a smudge of blackface on either one of them. If your costume is good enough, people will get it. We don't need the extra blackface on it. If you want to be Flavor Flav, get a big clock. No one's going to be like, hmm, who's that white dude with the crown on their head? with the big clock around their their neck and is wearing a grill. I have no idea who that person was. Maybe if they colored their face in black, I would understand the costume or I would get it. And it's it's honestly it's annoying. Like I me personally, I haven't been in the presence of someone that has been wearing blackface, but the quote unquote mature side of me would like to say that I would go up to them and be like, yo man, this isn't this isn't a good look. This isn't what you're supposed to be doing. This is idiotic. This is moronic and kind of try to educate that person. But then there's that other side of me that's just like, you know what, man, fuck that dude. You're not out here, you're not gonna be out here wearing that stuff. This is just it's ridiculous. You can't do it. All right. So when you guys are going to your Halloween parties this year, your office Halloween parties, Make sure to make sure that people know the rules because there are rules to Halloween. Don't go out here in blackface. Don't go out here trying to be someone else's race or religion or culture or anything like that because you'll either get educated, you'll get embarrassed, or you'll get your ass kicked. So that's that. So let's move on to something a little bit more lighthearted than that. Um, Apparently, America is doing reality show, reality shows worse than every other country out there. Apparently, every other country, they're, they're a bit more progressive. They're a bit more interesting, and they're a bit more entertaining. I, was, I saw a story um, in Vietnam. They were doing their version of The Bachelor, essentially. It's the same thing, the same setup. Uh, one guy, he dates 20, 20, men, 20 women. You know, after a week or two, he you know gives out a couple of roses to dwindle them down to eventually finding the one um, woman that he feels like is a match for him. Well, on this particular episode of The Vietnamese Bachelor, uh, the man offered a rose to a woman and this woman not only rejected the rose from the bachelor, but turned around and professed her love to another contestant on that show. 
Now, I could only imagine how people in America would react to something like that. A woman going on to The Bachelor, looking to find love essentially with this man, and instead of finding love with that man, finds love with another woman that is also looking for love from that from that same guy. And that is, that's something that you couldn't, if you were to write that in a script and put that in a movie, people would be like, nah, that's, that's not realistic. That's just, that's too far fetched. But that's, that's an incredible love story. If we're going to, if we're going to be honest about it, like you're going on the show to find love. And then I, from what I read, the, um, the people like the contestants, they, they know that they have like, um, straight and or uh, by women on the show. So this isn't something where these ladies were hiding their sexuality and who they, you know, their sexual preferences. Like people knew about this, but for them, for those two women to, to find love with each other on that show was, it was pretty cool. That's a pretty cool thing to have happen. It's a cool thing to see. And even the, the bachelor, he offered the, the another woman to uh offered her the rose and he even said like hey man this is this could be a once in a lifetime thing you don't have to accept this rose you know if you want to go off and be with her i get it you know do what you got to do follow your heart and eventually those two women they went off and started dating and they found them they've been together ever since apparently after the show ended they checked back in with them and they're still together and that's always something positive. It's always good to hear stuff like that. And I I feel like if that were to happen in America, that would be like the number one trending topic for a long time. There would be a lot of discussions about the uh, how we view um, by men and women in this country and how they are able to maneuver the, the dating scene and all that stuff. I mean, we argue on Twitter about, you know, should should another woman get your man's plate at a barbecue. So I can, I can only imagine the, the discussions that would happen if something like this happened in America or on American TV. So I think we need to uh, step our reality show game up in a, in this country just to uh, keep up with what they're doing in Vietnam. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go into our other two segments the first segment we're going to do is the Marcus Music Minute. And because there's no one here to hold me accountable accountable for it, I can pretty much go as long as I want to. I don't have to last. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to just go for a minute. You know, and I'm sure a lot of people would. Uh, uh, um, this Music Minute is going to be about what ifs there's a lot of what ifs that have happened or that people discuss in hip hop, you know, like, you know, what if Lil Wayne doesn't re-sign with cash money? What if, um, apparently T.I. wanted to sign Drake. What if Drake signs with T.I.? How does his career end up going? Um, but the one I wanted to discuss is what if G unit never breaks up? I was listening to beg for mercy Last week, it was their uh, collaboration album that dropped after 50's debut album. And I just thought it was, it was, for for me right now in 2018, that album was too long. 
it's it's over an hour long and for the most part al- albums now are about like 45 minutes and that's usually my sweet spot but even with that it's still an incredible album they have really good chemistry 50 cent is a great songwriter great hook writer young buck lloyd banks great lyricist great bars tony ayo good hype man good just you know off the bench kind of guy and this is they did this album without arguably the best rapper out of that group in the game and the game went on to have a a great solo career outside his unit but what how do we view g unit as a group as a collective if they are able to stay together and ride the wave of 50 cent you know lloyd banks young buck the game Dr. Dre beats, Eminem features, having every coast on your collaboration album. You have the East Coast. When, and, and this is when that stuff mattered. Like nowadays, it doesn't matter where you're from. You don't have to rep your coast or rep your city so hard to get on. But back then, they had the New Yorker rappers. They had down South rappers. They had West Coast rappers. Eventually, they they branched out and got a female R&B singer. So I, I look at the talent and the skill level of all these rappers. And I kind of look at some of the other great hip hop groups. And I'm talking more so like groups, not like duos, but like, you know, your, your, maybe like your Wu-Tang clans or your, uh, who else? I'm drawing a blank right now. Wu-Tang clans, um, like Goody Mobs, stuff like that, NWA, And I honestly, if they would have stayed together and put in the same quality work in as it did for Beg for Mercy, I feel like they would go down as top three rap groups, not duos, rap groups of all time, because I feel that strongly about them. Like, if you go back and listen to the stuff that G-Unit was doing early on, now you got to imagine, like, if they stick together and they have another beg for mercy, you have to throw the game in there. Now the game is probably like I was saying, he's the better lyricist out of all the rappers on G unit. So you got to think that their next, their follow-up album as a, as a collective would have been 10 times, well, not 10 times, but a lot better than what the first one was. And the first one was really good. So that's one of my big what ifs in uh in a hip hop and, I kind of do think that um, G-Unit is one of the, even even with their short career, I do still feel like G-Unit is one of the better um, hip-hop groups out there. And I, I kind of wish they would have stayed together. And now we're going to go into our Wine It Out segment. And for this week's wine, I don't, I don't have a wine with me, but I do have a wine fact for you people that drink wine. And it is, as red wine ages, they become lighter in color. Now, that's something that I didn't know, and I actually thought the opposite. I thought, well, if you have darker wine, that means it's older, and that means it's more, you know, whatever, better, or it costs more, it's more expensive, so... As someone who watched Scandal a lot, Olivia Pope always had a dark wine. Her red wine was always dark. So that just lets me know that 
uh, Olivia Pope isn't the the wine connoisseur that she likes to portray herself to be. Olivia Pope is a fraud, and I'm still upset about how that show ended. But that's not my wine. I'm not going to whine about Scandal. My wine is about my nemesis, Jim Halpert from The Office. Now, I just finished season season eight of The Office. I, I have one more season to go before... I can get Crafty Cake and uh, Naj on to discuss uh, their faves, uh, Jim and Pam. But so far, not only is Jim a scumbag in his personal life, he's a scumbag in his work life. For multiple seasons of The Office, he slacked off. He didn't do any kind of real work. He didn't put any real effort into his job. He spent a lot of time pranking Dwight and just pretty much doing nothing with his job and with his day and not being productive. I can understand taking breaks here and there and trying to hang out and relax. I get it. But the thing that I don't appreciate is him being that way as a subordinate, as an employee. But then once he gets, once he got the manager spot, he wanted to be a hard ass. Now, all of a sudden, he wants people to work hard. Now, he wants people to put in more work. Now, he wants people to show up on time. Now, he wants people to slow down with the pranks and and doing extra stuff and having pointless conference meeting. Now, now those things don't matter as much to you. You're fake, Jim. You're fake. And you're trash. Your wife is trash. I'm not going to say your kids are trash because I don't know them like that. But at the end of the day, Jim Halpert is trash. Pam Halpert, she's trash too. And they're the two, they're two of the most unlikable characters in TV history. Most unlikable. It's ridiculous. And I don't know what Sierra and Nash see in those two, but at some point when I finish the entire series of The Office, we're gonna discuss this because I I don't get it. I don't know how you can watch that show and like those two. They're not likable characters at all. There's little to nothing likable about those two. But that's my wine. That's my Marcus Music Minute. That's my Teaspoon of Stupid. That's my worst Twitter of the week. We've talked about pretty much everything that I want to talk about. Um, I'm not going to try to be here too long just because it's a lot harder doing this by yourself. And um, I don't want to just sit here and ramble on. Uh, The Colts won today, so that's always a plus. So we're going into the bye week and we'll be hosting the Jaguars. So the next week or two should be pretty interesting for me. But um, anyways, I, I appreciate everybody that um, checked us out. Uh, make sure you follow me on, uh, on Twitter, I'm Marcus underscore t- uh, Sniffles. You can follow me there. My tweets are trash. You can follow uh, South Breeze. He's at SB Reports 706. Check out uh, his um, his reporting or sports blog on uh, Black Sports Online. You can follow El Chapa. She doesn't tweet at all, but you can follow her on Instagram. Um, she's been sending a lot of uh, pictures of the food she's been making to the group chat, so maybe she'll post some of those online. Um, you know, just shout out to everybody that's been supporting. Shout out to everybody that's been listening. Um, if you could give us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. If you... Uh, Give us a review on SoundCloud. That would be appreciated also. So thanks for stopping by. 
Good night. Oh, Jada too, man. And I got animal. And I like animal. Hand on my tenement. Hit the club, cause still eating a banana. At the bar, taking shot, dog, no camera. Ride the soap bus, and I'm booming, and I'm bunking. Hit the clear room, and you know I'm bunking. Chop a can of Chevy Earns. Sort of like a pumpkin. Okay. Sitting on the toilet, cause still getting blunkin. Pull me out the stage, but I'm still getting money. As a cartoon man, I'm still looking for.